I am so excited to bring on my next guest because if you Google anything health-related, you're bound to find his site where it's obvious he has a passion for sharing and distilling information down for the masses. Dr. Axe is a chiropractor, natural medicine doctor, and clinical nutritionist with a passion to help people eat healthy. He started a functional medicine center in Nashville in 2008 and has authored several best-selling health books, including Eat Dirt, The Real Food Diet Cookbook, Essential Oils, Keto Diet, and The Collagen Diet. Plus, he owns a major nutrition company called Ancient Nutrition. Dr. Axe, thank you so much for spending your day with me and, and sharing your information, your knowledge with my audience. I cannot tell you how thankful I am to have you on the show and, um, and just to chat with you. Awesome. Well, hey, it's uh, great to be here, Kelly. I think what would be best today, because we have an hour, is to get people some tools and tips. I want, instead of thinking about your books as diet books, I want to think about them as benefit books. So, how can eating collagen benefit the body? Yeah. So, you know, when we're talking about collagen, to me, I, I, uh, I really got turned on to collagen many years ago through. Because I started doing a lot of research on bone broth. You know, I love studying ancient diets. And so I love studying traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, and studying people like Hippocrates, who really were trailblazers in natural medicine. And one of the things I noticed through all of their recommendations throughout history is they would say, drink bone broth. And so I started doing research and finding out that, you know, like our, today, most people, will eat the chicken breast or eat the steak or eat a plant-based protein. And they're getting these types of amino acids called branched-chain amino acids, but they're not getting collagen or these types of amino acids like proline and glycine, which are critical for so many areas of the body. In fact, if somebody wants to improve their liver health, drink bone broth and get collagen. If somebody wants to improve their joints and reduce chronic pain, they need bone broth and collagen. If somebody wants to improve their gut and digestive health. They need bone broth and collagen. And they're, of course, their beauty, their skin, hair, and nails. And so here, here's, here's a fact that I think is really impressive is that 90% of the areas I'm about to mention, most of them are made up of almost purely collagen. Your skin, hair, nails, bones, discs, ligaments, tendons, connective tissue, fascia, gut lining, and vascular walls like for your arteries and veins those are almost all completely made up of collagen. When a pregnant mother is creating a new child in their body, the placenta is made up of a lot of collagen. And so we must have collagen in order to be healthy. Yet here's the shocking thing, Kelly, is most people get zero grams of collagen in their diet on a regular basis in today's modern diet. And one third of all of our body's protein is collagen protein. And so essentially... About a quarter to a third of our diets when we're consuming amino acids should be from collagen-type proteins. You know, our ancient ancestors wouldn't have just ate the chicken breast and threw the rest of the, the animal meat away. They would have used, they would have put, you know, they would have made bone broth. They would have consumed organ meats like liver, which actually has some collagen in it as well. And so we are greatly deficient as a country. And I would really compare it to this sort of omega-3 deficiency we've had for many years as well. You know, Kelly, you, I know, know this because you're so, uh, you know, so brilliant in terms of your nutritional background. But you know, we need about a between a one-to-one and a one-to-four ratio of omega-3 fats to omega-6 fats. And that's why we want to do grass-fed beef, you know, because when, when cows are fed grass, they have more omega-3s to omega-6s. So there's balance. And so that reduces inflammation. Well, we have the same type of balance, not a fat imbalance, but an amino acid or protein imbalance. And so everybody, in my opinion, should be getting approximately 20 grams of collagen a day. I recently interviewed a friend of mine. He's a, he's a famous doctor. His name is Dr. Joe Mercola. And he says he gets 60 grams of collagen a day. And so again, collagen is essential for so many things. Here's another stunning fact. You know, when we talk about your bones, there is more bone, there is more collagen in your bones than calcium and all other minerals combined. It's like, why do we think that calcium is the most important thing for bone health? Well, because dairy companies were trying to sell milk when in fact calcium is important, magnesium, phosphorus, boron, vitamin D, vitamin K2. But what's more important or just as important than all of those for bone health 
is collagen. So collagen is critical for a lot of things. And I'll tell you, I, one of the things when I ran my functional medicine clinic in the past, uh, Kelly, I used to have my patients do what I called a bone broth cleanse, where they would just drink bone broth, vegetables, and herbal tea. That's what they would do for several days. And the results were absolutely fantastic. And so I started having patients, especially who wanted to boost their immune system and strengthen their gut health. They started doing collagen. And I was blown away at the results they, they would see. In fact, more than any other supplement, when I've had my patients do either a bone broth protein powder or a collagen uh, powder with multiple types of collagen, you know, the, the results have been better than probably any other supplement I've ever prescribed. And so anyways, all that being said, collagen is really key. It's also key to gut health. You know, uh, Your gut lining is made up of almost completely collagen. And so when you're not getting collagen, it can actually increase your risk of issues like leaky gut syndrome, uh, autoimmune disease, gas, bloating, um, you know, abnormal stool, any, any gut issue uh, or any joint pain issue or any skin issue, all these issues a lot of times are related to uh, a collagen deficiency. And so again, and sorry, I'm being so long-winded here. I love I keep it. Going for You're minute. preaching okay. to the choir. I'm like, I'm like in my chair fist pumping right now. Awesome. So, but with collagen, so here's the thing to know. One, the ideal way to get collagen is through consuming bone broth, whether it's as a liquid or doing it as a powder in a smoothie, or through a multi-collagen protein supplement. So a collagen that has not only type 1 collagen, but type 2, 3, 5, and 10. We want to get many forms of collagen. Um, and so that's, that's first. And then along with that, we also want to consume foods and herbals and superfoods that support our body's own collagen production. That starts with vitamin C. You know, we can get, um, you know, uh, you know, vitamin C rich vegetables, vitamin C rich fruits, also consuming herbs that support, um, your adrenals and, and stem cell production can support collagen production. So, um, shasandra, ashwagandha, um, doing things like reishi mushroom is absolutely amazing. So, you know, getting those adaptogens can also help. But I would say that those are the biggies. If you want to support collagen, number one by far is doing a bone broth and then a collagen powder. Number two is getting more vitamin C rich foods and also just nutrient dense antioxidant foods like berries and green leafy vegetables. And then in addition, doing some of those adaptogenic herbs. So those are probably the biggest things we can do to really support our body's own collagen production. Wow, I completely agree with you. I love that you're getting to the basics, like the main nutritional things that we can do, like increasing protein via bone broth and collagen and increasing our leafy greens and increasing things that are high in antioxidants like berries. It's like literally preaching to the choir. Um, one question that came up for me um, was, which I think would help a lot of people out there is, can you explain the difference between bone broth and collagen? When someone's drinking bone broth, are they getting collagen? And what are these different types of collagen? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I think a lot of times we have collagen supplements out there, which I take one uh, that has multiple forms of collagen. But bone broth is, um, it actually has a few additional things in collagen. Now, actually, by weight, 90, uh, 90% of bone broth is collagen. So, so bone broth is the most collagen rich superfood on the planet by far. Now, in addition to it, though, it has three really unique nutrients. They're called, it's a family of nutrients called, glucosaminoglycans, but those three are glucosamine, chondroitin, and hyaluronic acid. Now, I actually see a lot of times, Kelly, uh, both men and women, but more so women that are getting hyaluronic acid injections into their skin for anti-aging. I see a lot of men and women doing it in their knees for uh, helping with arth you know, arthritic knees and that type of thing. But ultimately, we're much better off getting it in our diet. So again, bone broth, has collagen along with high doses of glucosamine, chondroitin, hyaluronic acid, and certain minerals like potassium and magnesium. So for, to me, it's na you know, nature's number one superfood. Now, collagen, uh, there are different types of collagen uh, that are found in bone broth. If you're doing beef broth or fish broth, you're getting type 1 and 3 collagen. If you're doing chicken broth, you're getting type 2 collagen along with all the glucosaminoglycans. And if you're doing something called eggshell membrane, if anybody ever cracks open an egg, there's like a little thin film inside. Mm -hmm. That's a really unique type of collagen from, from, from the egg that has type in 5 and 10 collagen. 
And different types of collagen make up different areas of your body. So type 2 collagen makes up your, uh, your ligaments, tendons, connective tissue, fascia, basically all your joints. And they kind of help hold some of your organs up. And then um, type 5 and 10 collagen make up if a, if a woman is creating a new baby in the placenta. The placenta is made up of type 5 and collagen and a lot of our blood vessels. And then type 1 and 3 collagen make up mostly our skin, hair, nails, and bones. Awesome. So if someone specifically had um, joint pain, if they're using just a type 1 collagen from beef, would they see a benefit? Absolutely. So here's the thing I'll say. It's kind of like, you know, there, there is an ancient uh, a, a saying in ancient Chinese medicine, and it's called this. They said, translated, it's like supports like. And, um, and so when you consume the, like the breast of a chicken, that's pure muscle. So that's going to support our muscles, right? So if a bodybuilder, most people want to support their, just their metabolism and put on healthy lean muscle, well, they need to eat more muscle meat. But if you want to support your joints, you got to consume what makes up joints. And so these different types of collagen, type 2 collagen, even though it's what makes up your joints, it will still help your skin, hair, and nails. But I think probably it still has a slight, very, very slight, but a slight benefit more for helping your joints than your skin. But it definitely will still help both. Yeah, I read a study um, that explained a certain percentage of whole state collagen is absorbed and, and permeates the gut barrier and can be integrated into tissues and that but the majority of it is broken up down into single source amino acids which then can be resynthesized into collagen internally so that like begets like makes a lot of sense to me because you're getting those like those like building blocks so your body can synthesize new collagen Absolutely. And, and first off, one of the things I just love anytime I, you know, uh, you know, I know we, we, uh, we did an interview before, Kelly, but you, um, I love that you, you know, you're, you're one of only a few people. Again, you're so brilliant nutrition that you, uh, again, you just really get these principles. And so I love being able to talk about this with you. You know, the like, the, the like supports like principle. This is so unique as well. Think about this. I just wrote a book here that's, uh, it's not, it's coming out here. Uh, in the near future, it's going to be my next book. But in it, I go through this like supports like principle and through all the research, and it's incredible. Like carrots, if you cut it open, it looks like your eye. And there are thousands, there are so many studies showing, well, yes, all the nutrients in carrots, the beta carotene and vitamin A and carotenoids, they support eye health. Or, you know, celery looks like your bones, or reishi mushroom looks like your kidneys and adrenal glands, or you know, uh, avocados look like uh, a uterus, you know, and those fats support, you know, female hormones. And so it's just really amazing when you look at, uh, like, I, and I really believe, like, God created foods to taste and look a certain way. So we kind of know, hey, if I've got this problem, this is what to eat. Beets look like your blood, and they're by far the number one food for boosting nitric oxide and building your blood. So, anyways, all that being said, um, I'm yeah, so I, excited I, for your next book. Yeah, it's I mean, hey, it's uh, I'm excited about it too, and I think my my the book I just wrote, the College and Diet's an amazing book too. But this other book too, I do a lot. It's 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 mostly a, all about Chinese medicine and how we can heal using herbs and superfoods as as our as, as as a natural form of medicine. And that's where you that's where you started, right? How did your practice start, and and um, how were you working with clients in the beginning? Yeah. So actually my practice and me even getting into the field of natural medicine really started with a health crisis in my family. You know, my mom growing up uh, was really into fitness. So like my, my mom was my, uh, she was my gym teacher in elementary school. She was a swim instructor. My dad was a semi-pro water skier and weightlifter. And so like we were always active and into sports, but at 40 years old, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, which was so shocking because she looked really healthy. And we went through and sort of lived in what I call sort of the medical model. And, and anytime we were sick, we just got put on drugs. We knew nothing about nutrition. And my mom went through all of these treatments, including chemotherapy. And I remember looking at her after going through that and thinking, I never want to see anyone have to go through, through this again. And also thinking there has to be a better way. And yeah. so my mom was eventually diagnosed as being cancer-free and healthy. But the shocking thing, Kelly, was she actually seemed sicker than ever. Like my mom... I got diagnosed with hypothyroidism. She got put on antidepressant drugs, anti-anxiety drugs. She had chronic digestive issues. 
she was just sick and tired all the time. And 10 years later, I'm actually about to graduate my last year before I go and open up my practice. And I get a call from her and she says, I've got bad news. I've been diagnosed with tumors on my lungs. What do I do? And I said, Mom, I'll fly home. I flew back to Ohio where I grew up. And we talked together. We prayed together. And we just felt really led to take care of her all naturally. So with my mom, we just got rid of all the bad stuff. And we really focused on... We, she started juicing vegetables every single day. We started doing bone broth, started doing berries, started doing supplements like reishi mushroom and turmeric, started using essential oils like frankincense. My mom had a lot of fear and worry in her life. And so she started doing these positive affirmations and in, in, in gratefulness. And we did this tape recorder of her saying things like positive affirmations and Bible verses and saying things she's grateful for. And she would listen to it first thing in the morning before she went to bed. And we, she just did all these things. And we went back to her oncologist and they called us the next day after doing a CT scan. And they said, this is highly unusual. We don't typically see this, but your tumors have shrunk by more than half. They said, we want to see you again nine months later, came back nine months later, almost complete remission. Today, it's been almost 15 years since then. And my mom is uh, in the best shape of her life. In fact, she's uh, 67 and she's water skiing. She's running 5Ks when my dad retired down to Florida. But I share that to say, like, I took all of these things that I learned and really applied them into when I, when I was in practice. Now, I'm not in practice anymore. But again, like I, I started continuing to... like When, when you have a family member that, that's sick, I started looking up all the ancient natural remedies for cancer and other things. And that's how I discovered things like the power of reishi mushroom, the power of turmeric, and using all of these ancient herbs to help people get healthy. And you know, you know, so that's, that's sort of what led me into uh, you know, these ancient forms of medicine. Wow, what a powerful story. I am so inspired by how you like really put your life aside to support your mom and look at it now. I mean, she's probably so excited to be a grandma so soon. Oh yeah. Oh, she is. Believe me. She is. Uh, in fact, <laughs> it was so funny because my sister has a couple of kids already. And, um, and my mom was like, she just kept saying finally as she cried and, you know, gave Chelsea and I, you know, uh, a ridiculous amount of hugs, but yes. That's so beautiful. Well, so through that process, and I would actually stop you and say you are still in practice because the majority of people are out there self-diagnosing and self-treating from the internet and what you're putting out there through your books and your website and your supplements are such high, it's such high quality information and products for people to start taking care of themselves. So I wouldn't say that you're no longer in practice. You're just in a different type of practice. Well, you'd especially say that if you knew how many people my mom referred me to a week that I do, you know, end up doing consultations for, uh, right. just, you know, for free. But anyways, yes. I know how that goes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my mom has my number too. Oh, man. So, so through this process of starting your practice and then eventually starting your supplement company, I'm curious, like, what does day in the life of you look like? And what... Because um, I'm sure it, it feels like the sky's the limit. You could be adding everything to your life. Supplements, yeah. adaptogens, like what are your favorites and what do you think make the biggest difference in our diet and lifestyle? Sure. So, um, yeah, and I'll, yeah, first I'll share sort of what my day looks like and kind of what, what I take and what I think the most important things for people to take are. But I typically wake up every morning. I typically wake up about 6 30 or so. And then I'll, uh, you know, I spend my first part of my morning is I'll go on a walk and I'll pray. And then I'll spend some time sort of reading my Bible and then um, just getting grateful. And so, you know, I, I call it my spiritual triathlon. So I, I I get grateful, and then I read my Bible, and then I'll and then I'll and then I'll pray. And so I do that every morning. I typically do that for at least an hour, um, and then I'll and then I'll eat some breakfast, typically around you know eight a.m., maybe an hour and a half after getting up. And um, I typically do my just superfood smoothie, and I do one scoop of a multi collagen protein powder, another scoop of a bone broth protein. I try and get about thirty grams of. You know, collagen a day with that. And then I put in a handful of spinach, uh, a cup of berries, and then typically coconut milk. And so that's sort of my superfood smoothie every morning. And then uh, typically Chelsea and I will read a little bit and then we'll work out together. And then I'll work for typically an hour or two and then we'll do lunch. And then, then typically I'll either do a podcast or do videos and sort of work again from one to five o'clock or so. And then Chelsea and I, we make food a lot you know, for ourselves. We have some really close friends we'll do dinner with once or twice a week. And we'll make you know, homemade pizza with cauliflower crust. Or you know, tonight, actually, it's Chelsea and I's eight-year anniversary tonight. So I'm making her uh, chicken parmesan made with like a 
you know, an almond and, co- and, and coconut flour crust and we'll make some, you know, dark chocolate dessert and that type of thing. And then, uh, and then typically we'll both read a little bit. We may watch like an hour of TV and I'll put on my orange shades, you know, my, my uh, blue blocking sunglasses typically a little bit after dinner. And, um, Anyways, and then we'll go to bed. But my, my supplement regime uh, is typically like, you know, Chelsea and I do some very similar supplements, but I do my collagen every day or bone broth powder. I do um, a probiotic. It's called a soil based probiotic. It's a probiotic that's found in the soil. So an SBO probiotic. I'll do herbs typically then. I do, I love turmeric. So I'll do turmeric and sometimes like reishi mushroom. Um, and those are probably my biggest go-tos. And then on occasion, it depends. If I'm traveling, I typically do a multi that's more whole food based. If I'm not eating wild caught fish that day, I'll tend to do something like an omega. And in the winter months, if I'm just getting, haven't gotten sun in, in, in a while, then I'll do a vitamin D supplement. But if I'm getting sun, I don't typically do the, the vitamin D. And if I don't do fish, I do the omega. So I, I sort of supplement around, hey, what does my diet look like today? Or or what am I doing? But those are probably the most common things I'm, I'm taking on a regular basis. I'm curious if you could talk a little bit more about soil-based probiotics versus like lab-based probiotics yeah. and yeah. what the differences and benefits are that you've seen with those. Sure. And so, I, and I, and I've, you know, I, I can say this, like my number one supplement that I've taken and seen results with is bone broth pro, like it, it's a, it's a bone broth and powder form and a collagen supplement. My number two, it's very close after that, is a soil-based probiotic. So, you know, and I cover this in my book. I wrote a book called Eat Dirt many years ago. And I really go through their different types of probiotics. We have probiotics that are more food-based, um, such as uh, different types of bifidobacterium and acidophilus. Those are found in things like yogurt. Um, and then we have soil-based probiotics that are found in things like natto and miso. That's part of a Okinawan or Japan or a Japanese diet, um, and they're also found in the soil. And so, like throughout history, you know, Kelly, our ancestors ate a certain way. They did lots of bone broth, but they also they, they ate a lot of herbs and spices. And then they also ate food from their local region. So they would either from their own garden or go to the local market. And they would buy carrots or beets or lettuce or whatever it is. They would buy plants that were plucked from the ground and then they would simply wash them off with water. Well, if you go and buy carrots today from your farmer's market or from a grocery store that aren't like the peeled baby carrots, let's say, <laughs> like you'll notice there's like little brown specks embedded in beets and carrots and in most plant-based foods. Those actually little brown specks, they're not just dirt, they're soil-based probiotics. And medical research has shown they actually help us better digest and break down our food. They actually go through our system and they clear out candida. They kind of act as bulldozers. I really believe they're the most powerful type of probiotic on the planet. In fact, one of my best friends, Jordan Rubin, um, and business partner, he had a serious digestive issue, started Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, started doing different types of these types of probiotics from the soil and he says, I mean, he really believes it's the biggest thing that helped him overcome these serious digestive issues. And so, again, there are ty- different type of probiotic that aren't in all that aren't in that many probiotic supplements today. But it's what we should be looking for. So, anytime I'm buying a probiotic, it's a it's a soil based organism. So people can go online and search like, and I've written about this. They could search Doctor Axe probiotics, or they could search. SBO or a soil-based organism probiotic. But I really believe these types of probiotics are the most beneficial for our bodies. Uh, and again, they're found in things like if you've heard of natto or miso, these sort of you know, Japanese um, you know, fermented foods, they are found in some fermented food, but primarily they're, they're found in the soil. Well, I'm a huge fan of takeaways and I feel like you've already given us so many. I'm sure people listening are going to go get themselves some collagen protein or some bone broth protein, but the soil-based probiotic tip and then just finding veggies that still have the so- have dirt on them. So yeah. the question would be, if you go to the farmer's market and you're getting all of your veggies, do you <laughs> give them a light rinse? Or... I, 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 listen, I think here's the deal. You can rinse them pretty strongly and, and they're still going to be on there, the good ones that you want. And you could wash them with apple cider vinegar, which is something we do too. So we definitely clean. And listen, I'm not eating chunks of dirt, but again, I'm not like scrubbing every last ounce of, you know, of, of my carrot or my beet to make sure it's glistening. Like typically when it's a packaged food where, where they 
tend to peel it so so you don't have anything left on the out, outside. Or sometimes like those baby carrots, they're actually spraying, spraying with like a chlorinated solution, which isn't which isn't good either. But here's another unique thing to think about too: soil-based organisms act as natural immune boosters. Remember this, just for everybody, is that immune health. If like today is the most important time than ever before that we strengthen our immune systems. Well, immune health starts in gut health. 70% of our immune system lives in our gut related to our gut microbiome with our gut lining and our, and our probiotics. Well, soil-based organisms, I believe, are the most important thing we can be getting along with collagen and fiber-rich vegetables that support our gut microbiome. And so, and think about this too, like this might seem like I'm switching gears, but I promise it's not. Raw local honey. Why is local honey good for us? Well, because local honey has 200 different types of microbes and it has that are all local. So like if you eat a little bit of raw local honey throughout the year and you get that those little micro doses of pollen, when allergy season comes around, it will hit you a lot less hard because your body has now built up a tolerance to this local pollen and it's strengthened your immune system and prepared it for spring and fall pollen season. A lot of times people think, oh, I'm just going to do some honey when I have allergies or and that's going to help. That's really not how it works. That local honey is something you should be doing a teaspoon of just sort of on a daily basis that kind of helps strengthen bolsters your immune system. And that's that's the way these soil-based probiotics work or also eating these foods that are from your local region, from the soil, they naturally strengthen your, your immune system. It's the same thing. There's research showing if you have a pet or if you live on a farm, that strengthens your immune system. Because if you have a dog and they go outside and they're like in the dirt and in the grass and in the pollen and everything else, and they come back in and you hug them and you love them and whatever, like those dogs help increase your exposure to the outdoors, which naturally strengthens our immune system. In fact, just getting outside, taking walks in nature strengthens your immune system. So anyways, all that being said, like if we want to naturally boost our immune systems, we do it through connecting with nature and then also things like soil-based organisms. No, I love it more than... We need that immune boosting support more than ever right now. And especially with everyone being quarantined to stay home, it's so important to get outside and get in contact with a little bit of nature in your local area. So on your point of raw local honey, people sometimes use um, bee pollen. What would be the differences mm-hmm. you see between those two and which is more efficacious in lowering your body's response to, to pollen-inducing allergies? Man, it's a great question. And, and listen, I love bee pollen. And I think in certain regards, if it's local bee pollen, it can serve and serve you in the way of having a lot of the same benefits as the honey. The difference between honey is honey in Chinese medicine is more of a lung tonic. It's more moistening. It can be good for your uh, stomach and for your lungs. Whereas uh, pollen is more of actually an adaptogen in a way. It actually supports your adrenal glands. A lot of people don't realize that, but it's really an adrenal tonic at the same time supporting your energy. But in terms of how they affect your immune system, I would say both are equally powerful. You could choose whether to use bee pollen or honey. But in terms of honey tends to be a little bit more strengthening of the, the lungs and, 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 and stomach, whereas the bee pollen really is more of a natural energy support, adrenal support, thyroid, those sort of things. It's going to be more beneficial in that way. But both of them are going to equally support your uh, you know, strengthening your immunity. Great. So would adaptogens have an effect on your immunity? You know, they do. And they do. It's... They do, and I'll say it's indirectly. I, I'm going to try not to get into too much. Like, like in Chinese medicine, there's these principles of your body essentially has five organ systems that work together. Now, in Greek medicine or our medicine today, it's based off of the Greek model where you have five individual organs. Well, in Chinese medicine, you have 12 organs that you have multiple organs, but you have, they divide them into organ systems. So you have your immune system your cardiovascular system, your detoxification system, which is like your liver gallbladder, your digestive system, and your um, uh, reproductive system, which the adrenals are part of. And we know that different organ systems actually support and strengthen each other. I'll give you an example of this. Hypothyroidism. There are a lot of women out there with hypothyroidism. 
And they tend to think, oh, this is a thyroid problem. In truth, it tends to typically be more of a digestive problem or an adrenal problem when, when people have a thyroid issue. So either you've got leaky gut and it's more, and, and it can be related more to a, you know, digestive issue or it's an adrenal issue where your body's pumping out too much cortisol, which then affects thyroid hormones. And so anytime I work with a, you know, a thyroid patient, I will also address their adrenals and their digestive system because I know that's actually the root cause of the thyroid system. So in Chinese medicine, there's this whole graph that shows that like your immune system is most greatly affected by your digestive system. And so going back to this allergies, your allergy system is really connected to your detoxification and cleansing system and your lymphatic, those sort of things. And so if you're if your hormonal system, which is connected, if your hormonal system slash reproductive system is weak, that actually starts to affect your um, your allergies. Sorry, I know that sounds so complex, but 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 that's that's essentially what's happening. And so, adaptogens indirectly help with allergies because they strengthen your entire body and your entire system. So naturally, they're also going to help lessen allergies. Not as much as maybe it's something directly for allergies, but they will still help. Got it. I'm just looking for all the takeaways to increase our immune system. So let's get yeah. back to those veggies yeah. you were talking about. So, so when it comes to strengthening our immunity, here's what I recommend. Um, number one, bone broth. So get lots of chicken broth, like chicken soup. Like I remember, Kelly, growing up, your mom probably did the same thing for you. And you'll probably do the same thing for your little one. Um, but like my mom always gave me chicken soup and then ginger ale. The crazy thing is like the ginger ale, like I look back at like 40 grams of high fructose corn syrup and I pound like three a day. Mm-hmm. And of course it wasn't ginger ale, seven up. And, yeah. then, uh, <laughs> and then chicken soup and like, which had like, you know, so Mine much. Mine was like from a can. Exactly. Yeah. And so, but like, where did my mom get that idea? Well, ancient Chinese medicine says the perfect remedy for cold and flu is chicken bone broth, vegetable soup and ginger herbal tea. And so... And they would say foods that are light yellow in color are the most immune strengthening foods. So think, what are, what's light yellow? It's chicken broth, ginger, garlic, onions, like miso soup. Like those things are all immune boosting. But bone broth is number one, a uh, superfood for sure. Cooked vegetables like cauliflower and broccoli, like a lot of the cruciferous and green leafy vegetables. And then things like pumpkin and squash, but those are great. Onions and garlic. Um, after the bone broth and the vegetables, I would say um, doing vitamin C rich vegetables. So we got the most vitamin C rich vegetables are broccoli, bok choy, Brussels sprouts, and bell peppers, and then cabbage. Those are all the vitamin C rich foods. And then the vitamin C rich fruits, you know, citrus fruits, kiwi, strawberries, you know, those types of things. But I think those are the most ideal foods to support your immune system and then getting some fiber. But your fiber ideally is from loads and loads of vegetables and then some fruit. That's where most of that should be coming from. And if people consume a diet like that where they're getting the collagen and the bone broth, a lot of the vegetables, you know, the cooked vegetables, the ones I specifically mentioned, and then some fruit, both berries and vitamin C rich foods, that's what's going to take their immune system next level. And then some fermented foods like like uh, sauerkraut and kimchi and miso, like those are also going to help strengthen their immune system. And then, you know, if we're talking about immune system as well, I think taking some immune system supplements. I would start with a bone broth powder and a, and a probiotic. In addition to that, though, elderberry is amazing and echinacea. Elderberry and echinacea are probably the two most powerful herbs for strengthening our immunity, along with herbs like the third one I would throw in there would be like astragalus. And then mushrooms, reishi mushroom and turkey tail mushroom are both powerful for the immune system. And then in terms of nutrients, I like vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc. Zinc is really big. In fact, if somebody is having a lot of breakouts and acne or gut issues, sometimes it's a, a, a zinc deficiency too. There's so many questions I have for you now. I've heard you say cooked vegetables a number of times. Is there a reason why you prefer uh, cooked <laughs> cooked vegetables over raw vegetables? Do you ever eat raw vegetables? So Talk it depends me. on the time of year. So and you know, and this is where I'll say there isn't one perfect diet for everybody. 
you know, I think some people do great on keto and a lot don't. I think some people do, you know, a few, not rarely, but some people do well with almost just plant-based, others don't. You know, some people do great on paleo, but I think generally speaking, we should eat towards what our body needs. And if people need more detoxification and cleansing and it's spring and summer, that's when you should be getting some raw vegetables. But if somebody is in the fall and winter or has a weakened digestive system or weakened immune system, they actually shouldn't be getting many raw vegetables. And so a lot of times we think, oh, raw is better. Raw is not better. Raw is just different. Raw, Raw is not broken down. And so your body has to work very hard to break down raw nuts and seeds and raw vegetables and a lot of these raw foods. And they're also more cooling. When you've got a digestive issue, everything from inflammatory bowel disease to gas and bloating to acid reflux, and then also any immune issues like autoimmune disease, you should be consuming more cooked vegetables because it's easier to digest. You're going to absorb actually typically a little bit more nutrients that way. Uh, But I think it just depends. I would say seasonally, spring and summer, you can do some raw. But fall and winter, you definitely want to be getting more cooked. Got it. So are you not drinking your smoothie in fall and winter? And if so, So, what are you eating? I'm I'm glad you asked. So in the fall and winter, what I do is I actually do a room temperature or a warm smoothie. I do a pumpkin smoothie. Pumpkin is actually one of nature's most powerful superfoods. It's the number one food I have for candida and for improving digestion. And so I do a half a can of canned pumpkin. I do a vanilla collagen powder. I throw in some pumpkin pie spice with cinnamon. And then I'll put in some almond or coconut milk. And I'll do actually a room temperature pumpkin smoothie. Or I'll do like a cherry smoothie where I do cherries where I warm them up or get them to room temperature or blueberries. Or bake bake fruit. I'll bake apples or just do applesauce, which is cooked. I'll do pears. So it it depends. But you're right. I mean, winter and... uh, Fall and winter, I do a different type of smoothie than I would in the um, in the spring and summer. Well, it sound they all sounds like sound like pie to me, so I'm on board. <laughs> they're pretty good, I'll tell you. They're, Baked I think apple they pie, pumpkin pie. Um, I don't add ice to my smoothies. I just you know use a high speed blender like a Vitamix, and it does for a lot of my clients. I'll get a text or a call that asks me like, should I be adding ice? And I'm like, I personally don't, but if that's the way you like it by all means but that's interesting i'll have to try your i'll have to try your pumpkin smoothie it sounds absolutely delicious yeah um okay so beyond that i also heard you talk a little bit about um adding mushrooms like turkey tail and reishi how are you ingesting those most often yeah so most often i do those in capsule form as a supplement and so that's most often but i do sometimes also do reishi mushroom tea uh so i think you could go both ways but again i you know and a lot they're in the supplements I take, um, or I just do just a straight, you know, uh, multi mushroom supplement that has many different types. That's what I do most often. I, I do one that has reishi, turkey tail, um, lion's mane, um, cordyceps, and chaga. So I do this mushroom blend that I consume a lot, or I'll do a reishi uh, tea, herbal tea. And for everyone listening, are they supposed to feel something when they're drinking this type of mushroom? tea? Are they going to notice anything different in their life? You know, I think it depends on who it is. Like for me, sometimes I'll notice a little bit of a... Just a little more energy, just a little. It's not like this big energy boost. It's not like if you do a lot of caffeine from a coffee, but it's just very mild. So I would say for some people, they should notice maybe just a little bit more alertness or a little more energy. But really, the benefits are a lot more than energy. The benefits are... I mean, medicinal mushrooms, including reishi, they've been consumed for thousands of years. In fact, in traditional Chinese medicine, it was known as the mushroom of immortality. It really supports your lifespan. It really strengthens your adrenals and it strengthens your immune system. So mushrooms, those are the two biggest benefits. They tend to be, at least with reishi, is it's a major immune booster for long-term immune health. And it's also a big-time hormone slash adrenal strengthener. And then certain other mushrooms, like like lion's mane is actually more of a brain tonic for your brain and nervous system. But, um, but most often, they're for, for energy and immunity. And you're drinking these as a tea. Is there a specific time of day when you should be ingesting um, mushrooms? You know, I, I, I tend to do it in the morning. Um, for Again, like I think getting anything that's more even mildly stimulating is best off early in the day. 
Um, so that's that's when I when I tend to do it. So you know what my follow up question is going to be? Do you drink coffee? You know what? So first off, I never I never drank coffee. I had a few sips of a coffee when I was in college, and literally it made me really jittery. And so I I literally didn't have it until I married my wife, who was a barista for four years in college, and is a huge <laughs> coffee fanatic. And so. We now have a mar. We invested and bought it. Have a Marzocco espresso machine where we do espresso in our house. You know, I do a lot more matcha and a lot more reishi and told. Like I do a lot more herbal tea specifically. I do most. I do a lot of matcha, but that's what I tend to do. But on the weekends, Saturdays, I'll say Saturdays is like my espresso day. So Chelsea and I have a nice rhythm of we'll wake up in the morning and we'll just sort of read and sometimes you know. Just share and talk in the morning, and we'll both have you know our coffee. And uh, she does it more so, like probably every other day or every day. And I do it uh, once to twice a week. Um, but I, I I do more work tea than coffee. But I think some people tolerate coffee really well. My body just does okay with it, so I limit it to a day or two a week. Got it. Do you feel like caffeine um, affects our immunity? You know, I'll say this. I think I, I think some of it has to do with how our bodies are wired. I think if somebody tolerates coffee well, they can do you know one to two servings a day. I think anytime anybody's going over probably definitely 200 milligrams, but even I would say 150, you know, oh, I would say over 200 milligrams a day, I would say it just gets to be, it's too much. Like you're overstimulating your adrenals and it's not healthy. I think for when we're talking about herbal tea and you're getting about, you know, 30 milligrams to, you know, yeah, typically about 30 milligrams of caffeine. It's such a small amount. It's if anything, it's it's supportive to your body. But um people can absolutely overdo caffeine in terms of how it affects your immune system. I think that depends. I think your adrenals are meant to be stimulated to a certain degree, but you don't want to overdo it. Overdoing it's gonna have a, a negative effect. Right. How has Chelsea been handling her caffeine limitations being pregnant? You know what? She, um, yeah, she's hardly had coffee. Not to say, so I'll just say this like Chelsea and I are very much, um, we use a common sense approach to where, gosh, I even had to say, she, she's getting mad if I say this. Anyways, all that to be being said, like, you know, in Europe, people drink wine throughout their pregnancy. Oh, yeah. You know, and almost every woman consumes sushi throughout their entire pregnancy. In a lot of areas of the world, South America, they drink coffee throughout their entire pregnancy. So let me just... I just want to say that. So Chelsea has probably done coffee a day a week and she's probably been doing half a glass. So she really hasn't done it much. She's done it here and there. She's had a... You know, when I'm having wine, she'll you know, have, have a few sips here and there. But she, um, she's actually been doing really good. Like I've been like... In fact, if somebody... Uh, we have a good friend of ours. If anybody wants to follow somebody who's been amazing to walk people through... Uh, you know, a pregnancy, Mama Natural, our friend Genevieve is... is I is love her great. stuff. Yeah, she's so good. I'd um, love to bring her on the podcast. They'll have to get an introduction from me. Yeah, yeah, I'll send you I've loved intro. her stuff forever. She's so good. So, you know, we, we talked with her and I've been connecting with her. and But we're doing a home birth um, here and we have an amazing midwife. And so we're... Uh, anyways, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're getting ready. That's so exciting. I will say my prayers for you guys and keep my fingers crossed. And I'll be excited to see the announcement. Oh yeah, soon. So we'll get back on track with a few more things that are immune boosting and then you can let everybody know where they can find you. But I'm sure they all know where to go. But (laughs) we'll let you do that. Um, Talk to me a little bit about fermented veggies because one really popular thing out here in Los Angeles is kombucha. And you mentioned Mm -hmm. fermented vegetables like sauerkraut and kimchi. I didn't hear you mention yogurt or kombucha. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on those types of fermented foods. This is really comes up to a person's where their body's at. Some people, the ones I mentioned earlier, uh, the sauerkraut and the miso and the kimchi, like most people will tolerate that very well. Now, if somebody has major inflammatory bowel disease, they've got to be very careful and do just a very small amount of like, you know, fermented cabbage juice. Most people can tolerate quite a bit of miso. So that should be be fine. If somebody has candida, they need to be careful with dairy and they need to be careful with kombucha because kombucha, though it has probiotics, it's slightly dampening to the body. So foods that can cause candida that tend to be healthy, but they still aren't healthy for everybody are egg whites, wheat, 
lots of oils and sugar, like especially bananas. And um, yeah, so, so, so those things and kombucha, those things can all contribute to candida. So if somebody has a big white coating on their tongue and yeast, I actually don't recommend kombucha. Um, but for everybody else, if somebody doesn't have any sort of yeast in their body or has you know the normal amount that we, we should all have, then, then they're fantastic doing kombucha. And I think for those people, kombucha is great. If those people want to do kombucha, even if they have candida, then my recommendation would be take some herbs that are going to dampen the, you know, no pun intended, but dampen the effects of what you're doing with kombucha. So herbs like cinnamon and paldarco and oregano uh, that have those antimicrobial properties, those may help combat the effects. But I think kombucha is great for some people, but but not for everybody. Yeah, I I always think about like if you have to add sugar to create the ferment, then it's then you're then you're essentially eating or drinking sugar, which is and like it, a little bit tough. And you're right, and to, it's probably a little bit to a lesser degree because you're. But it is. I, I agree with you there. I think that there are. There's definitely, and I think there's more, more of a sugar in effect than what it says on the label because I see these kombuchas labeled as four grams of sugar or two grams, but the effect it's actually having on your body, I think, is a little greater than that. And again, I would much rather have somebody drink kombucha all day over soda. Oh yeah. And I think for quite a few people do well with it, but I think again for those people that have candida issues or gut issues or even things like diabetes, blood sugar, they, yeah. they need to be cautious with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm an occasional... I'm not, I'm, nothing's ever off the table for me completely most often. But when I think about kombucha, for me, it's if Chris has decided um, that he is watching the Lakers and he's getting himself a big IPA, I might have him get me a kombucha. You know, sure. And that's like... Uh, once like, every couple of weeks or once a month or something like that because they are refreshing and delicious. But I do love yep. sauerkraut and fermented veggies and all of that. So um, speaking of sugar, a lot of the elderberry and echinacea products on the market are pretty high in sugar. Is there something that you recommend specifically or one that you like best? Yeah. I mean, I, I personally recommend getting elderberry capsules for a lot of people at this point in time because... It, there is a lot of sugar added. Now, I think there are some syrups where they're adding no sugar. Now, there's still some sugar naturally found in, in elderberry. Mm -hmm. But I think if you can find an elderberry syrup with no sugar, that's great. Or buy elderberry capsules. Um, and there's even things like fermented elderberry, actually. So you can look up Google search fermented elderberry capsules and or, or search... Because I've written about this before and check it out. You can always search my name, Dr. Axe, and things like... you know. Elderberry because I've I've covered it, but I would say you're right. There is quite a bit of sugar, and and sometimes it's honey. But you know, I, I think honey should be consumed in one teaspoon to a tablespoon. If somebody's doing large amounts of honey, that sugar starts to add up. But I would say yes, I would be conscious, you know, conscious of how much sugar are you getting in your elderberry supplement. I love it. I love how realistic you are, but you come with so much science-backed information and so many good tools for everyone. I mean, I can just think about in the last hour or 45 minutes or so, so many tips that you've given people from adding collagen and bone broth powders to their diet for immunity, um, increasing their vitamin C so they can synthesize new collagen internally, like citrus fruits, berries, leafy greens, getting people on board with a soil-based probiotic or an SBO, which I think you gave a great recommendation and an um, explanation on that. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm no longer going to be really washing my veggies. Um, I'd love to share your apple cider vinegar wash or how you wash your veggies um, in the show notes as well, if you don't mind. Sure. And then uh, we're going to increase our fermented veggies and consider elderberry capsules or echinacea cap capsules and potentially a mushroom blend tea. I feel like I'm going to be a lot healthier after this podcast, Dr. Axe. There you go. Well you're, well, you're, well, you're already incredibly healthy. And again, I've been so impressed as I was you know, jumping on your website and looking through your book and everything you've done. I've just... Again, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just super impressed. I'm really honored you had me uh, on the show today, Kelly. Well, I'm a huge fan and I have been for a very long time. You can tell that you bring a lot of heart um, 
to with your message and a lot of hope. Um, and you know, I'm just I'm excited to follow along with you and Chelsea's life and and your expanding little family and everything that you're doing to help people out there. So I just I just really really appreciate your time and all the positivity that you brought on the podcast today. Um, I end every podcast with the same question, and the question is, what does body love mean to you? Oh man, what does body love mean to me? Well, I would say this one for me, like just sort of knowing that, um, I, like just thinking, why do I love my body? Well, I love my body because I know God created it for a purpose. And like for my purpose, it's to teach people how to get healthy. It's to love and care for others. And I think we're all created for that purpose. We're created to connect with God, connect deeply and love other people. And at that same time, you know, love ourselves. And I'll just, I'll share this as well. One of the things I've been meditating on, and this might be slightly off your question, but uh, I've been meditating on faith over fear. You know, so many people today, I think it's easy for them to be fearful of sort of what's going on in the world today, but I just encourage people and, you know, have an attitude of faith and have an attitude of love. But I think, again, for me, that sort of body love question comes back to these positive emotions of meditating on faith and love and hope and joy and gratefulness. And that's ultimately probably the best way. It's probably better than food, better than supplements, better than any treatment. If we can love our bodies through especially um, you know, facilitating and, and, and supporting these you know, healthy emotions. Such a beautiful sentiment to end on. And you are so right. We can't, we can't put any good into the world without this vehicle, which is our body. And so we need to love it accordingly. Dr. Axe, where can people find you? Where can they follow along? Where can they find your books? Um, and where can they listen to your podcast? Sure. So uh, yeah, everybody's welcome to uh, check out my website. It's draxe.com, D-R-A-X-E.com. I've written many articles. And if something sort of spiked your interest on here, just search my name on your search engine or Google. So if you want to know more about what my recommendations on hypothyroidism, search Dr. Axe Hypothyroidism. Or if you want to learn more about bone broth, search Dr. Axe Bone Broth. And I'm, I've you know covered a lot of stuff. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook. It's at Dr. Josh Axe on those channels. And then I've got several books out. You can just search my name again on Amazon and you know, you'll see a few different books pop up. But again, um, Kelly, I'm just, I'm a huge fan of yours. I'm, I'm honored to be on the show. And, uh, and yeah, I have a podcast on iTunes. So people can check that out too. But uh, thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, uh, I'm sure everyone will go check you out now. So thanks so much for your time today. You guys, thank you for tuning in. It's been such a fun podcast with Dr. Axe. And don't forget to check out the show notes. I'll link all of his tips below. Thank you for listening to Be Well by Kelly. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at bewellbykelly.com and follow me on Instagram at bewellbykelly. I would love if you picked up my books, Body Love and Body Love Every Day. They're sold on Amazon and at all major booksellers. 